weeks, we've been looking at soul care. Uh, in our world today, there is a lot of emphasis on, on the self-care. And with that, I'm not against caring for ourselves, but the emphasis with the self-care movement is all based on a secular viewpoint, and man is in the center of that. It's, it's all based on us. Problem is, God didn't make us to be based on us. And what we think might bring fulfillment and health and really have, having that care, it's not as much about our self-care as about having soul care. And so we've looked at that in these last three weeks. Uh, Father's Day, we had a, a little interruption there. Uh, but we look, first of all, just having a spiritual assessment, uh, looking into our own condition. Where are we? This morning, I'm, I'm preaching to believers. Uh, if you're here today and uh, you've come to church, obviously you believe in God. Uh, but if there has not been a time where you have been born again, then some of what I am going to talk about just won't make sense. You see, for a believer, our life is to be revolved around God. Everything in life. Not just our one day out of our, our weekly schedule. Our life night needs to revolve around God. He is the center of the life. The Lord said, without me, ye can do nothing. And for the believer, uh, he needs to be the one that we are focusing on. Uh, he needs to be the focus in our own personal relationships. He needs to be the focus in our vocational relationships. He needs to be the focus uh, of uh, every aspect of our life. He needs to be the center of that. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, he doesn't allow us to do a lot of other things. Being a Christian is fun. I'm so thankful I'm a Christian. I'm saved. You know, I don't have to wonder what I did last night. When I hear the sirens coming down the street behind me, I don't have to wonder, are they coming for me? Praise the Lord. You know, being a Christian is fulfilling. It's fulfilling. And if there isn't that fulfillment, what I'm going to talk about today might be part of that reason. And so we looked at spiritual assessment. We looked at week two of spiritual healing. This morning, as we look at this psalm, Psalm 32, uh, uh, this is a penitential psalm of David. Uh, it's the second of the penitential psalms. There were seven of them. But as David is, is uh, penning this, we see uh, that there was something that he was desiring, and that was spiritual restoration. Spiritual restoration. Now, I'm looking, I'm looking out at people that I have, many of you, I have absolute confidence in your salvation. 
as your pastor, by what I have seen, what I have observed, I've got confidence that you're, uh, that you're a believer, that you, you have accepted Christ as your Savior. Some of you I don't know well enough yet uh, to have that, uh, that uh, confidence, uh, but there are many that I look out and I just have confidence uh, in your salvation. But there are those that I look out and I see and I don't see the joy of the Lord. I don't have that confidence that you have that fulfillment in your Christian life. And let's be honest, we all want it. We want our faith to be real. Nobody got up this morning and, uh, and prepared to come to church because you just wanted to put on a show. Nobody did that today. You're, well, Miss, Miss Savannah just made eye contact with me and she said, well, maybe. Uh, and so uh, anyway, uh, that, that might be the case for some, of course, not Miss Savannah. All right. Uh, but uh, uh, that, I don't think that really anybody did that. But I don't believe that everybody got up this morning and out of a heart of gratitude and just the joy of the Lord, they couldn't wait to get to church. That's where we need to be. Amen? Amen. That's where it should be. We should serve God out of the overflow, not out of obligation. And we all go through seasons. There's the ups and the downs. Sometimes you just wake up grumpy. Sometimes you let her sleep. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, sometimes it, we're just not in that, that, that great place. Well, let's not stay there. Let's not allow our faith to become apathetic. And so this morning, we're going to look at this spiritual restoration. And Father, I do pray that you would help us this morning. Speak to each heart that's here. And uh, Lord, there are people from uh, new believers to believers that have, uh, people that have been saved for decades upon decades. Uh, people that uh, the, the Christian life is all brand new and others that uh, have experienced uh, your goodness in their life over and over again. And I pray that each of us would look into our own soul, uh, that we would uh, put some effort, some energy, uh, some attention to the condition of our soul. And Lord, if restoration is needed, and every one of us need that restoration, I pray that you would help us today. Help us to grow, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So as we, in life, we all fail. We all are fallible. There are areas that we fall short. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans 3 uh, that we all fall short of the glory of God. We, we fall short of that mark, and uh, it's because of our sin nature. We're fallible. We sin. We make mistakes. Uh, we, we make bad decisions. Not all of the bad decisions are sinful decisions, but they're not always good decisions. And, and so we're fallible, we fail. In relationships, we fail. 
We, re- we fail in the, re- the closest of human relationships, marriage and parenting and uh, child uh, rearing and uh, parent and child and uh, those relationships that are there, the family uh, relationships. Uh, we fail. Uh, friendships, acquaintances. There are all kinds of relationships uh, that we have in life and we fall short. And as I was preparing for this message, uh, there was face after face after face that would come to mind where I thought, man, I wish I could redo some things. I wish I could have done something a little bit different. Why? Because now those relationships are strained or broken or gone. And, and with that, we all, we all fall short. We all, we all fail. But beyond these relationships that really matter, There's a greater relationship that we have got to stay focused on. And that is our relationship with God. You know what? As a pastor, I will fail you. I'll fail you. Not intentionally. But I'm going to, I'll fall short. There are expectations that people might have as a friend we will fail but but when it comes to our relationship with God I don't want to fail and when I fail because I do fail there's a necessity of working at this thing called restoration learning how to rebuild that relationship when it's strained. So the greatest relationship that could ever be established is between the creator and the created, uh, between God as our heavenly father and as a child of God, uh, being, being a child of God and rebuilding that relationship. And so uh, if we're willing by faith to establish that relationship, we realize that we will still fall short even in something so good. So in these relationships, what we find is relationships need restoration. Relationships need restoration. And that's all relationships. All of them. There's a process of wronging. There's a process of being wronged. There's a process of just not doing things right that put a strain and those relationships, they need restoration. Matthew 5, 9, the Bible said, uh, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. What is it? That restoration process. Here in the Beatitudes, the Lord wants us to be peacemakers. What's he want us to do? He wants us to be a part of this restoration. But nobody can restore your relationship with God but you. But unfortunately, some don't even realize that relationship is strained. I don't know how many times over the years I have witnessed marriages break up 
and you talk to somebody afterwards and they tell you, I didn't even know anything was wrong. Tragic. It's tragic. But spiritually speaking, where are we at? Now, this is sobering this morning, but it's not going to stay sobering. We're going to go uphill from here, okay? But you can't change direction if you don't know where you're at. If you don't even know that there's a problem, what I am going to tell you will do you no good. Because you don't even realize that there's an issue in that relationship. So where is our relationship with God. If you're saved, that's the beginning. Praise the Lord. That's where it all starts is salvation. Uh, and so those relationships, relationships, uh, they, they need, uh, they need uh, relationships need restoration. Uh, when, when I was sitting in my office, I started looking through uh, different people in the Bible that I could use as an illustration. You know, when we, when we use illustrations, we don't use our illustrations. We want to use illustrations that are worse, a worse failure than my failure. It just makes us feel better, isn't it? Uh, and so I'm using David today. Uh, and so we have uh, King David, and David made some terrible decisions. Second Samuel 11 and 12, we see uh, the sin uh, that David, uh, he got himself involved in, and uh, that, uh, the brokenness that was there. And uh, poor David, I mean, his, his sin was, was chronicled for eternity. Aren't you glad God's done right in the Bible? <laughs> uh, we didn't get put in there, praise the Lord, our failures. Uh, but uh, David here, uh, his sins, those failures, those mistakes, uh, they, are, they are eternally uh, uh, chronicled for us to see. And uh, he sinned against God and he sinned against man in so many different ways. And, and so I want you to follow along with me. Go to 2 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 1. 2 Samuel 12 and verse 1. Uh, the Bible tells us, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Uh, this is the story that I was referencing the other night that I sort of feel like is such a sissy story. Uh, Nathan, why'd you, uh, God gave him this uh, illustration here, but... Uh, it sounds like a pretty, pretty pathetic person uh, that is in this spot here. At least that's how I look at it. Uh, and, uh, and so the prophet is, is laying out how this individual loved this little lamb so much. Uh, and it was all that he had. Verse 4, 
And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress it for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it uh, for that man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, and the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. Uh, and I laugh at this whole story. Uh, first of all, uh, David is listening to this story, and it moved him to anger. This story just m moves me to feel like uh, something's wrong with this story. Uh, and and uh, so it didn't move me to any emotion at all other than uh, uh, patheticness. I just, I just uh, feel sorry for this uh, situation here. Uh, but then uh, we see how David was moved to anger. And then, uh, you know, when you're in a bad position spiritually, you don't even think clearly. So he said, this guy's going to die and he's going to pay fourfold. Now, how is that going to work? We're going to kill you, but then later we want you to pay. Uh, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So uh, verse number seven, and Nathan said to David, thou art the man. Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I moreover I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast has taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. And what do we find here? We find that David blew it. David blew it. He had everything going for him. And he made some terrible decisions. He blew it. His sin was committed. His sin was concealed. His sin, though, was chronicled by God. You know, you and I can't hide our sin from God. He knows exactly what's going on. His sin was chronicled. Then his sin was condemned by the prophet Nathan. But praise the Lord, finally, David confessed his sin. He got it right. He was on the process of restoration. Spiritual restoration. And so when we think about this, Psalm 51, verse 1, he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according uh, to under the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Uh, and so uh, David had sinned against God and that with that sin uh, we see how he confesses it and we're going to see uh, in this Psalm 32 the process of spiritual restoration I want you to see number one this morning uh, back in Psalm 32 uh, number one the blessing of acceptance the blessing of acceptance 
Now, when we look at Psalm 32, he said in verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. You know what? Uh, when we confess our sins, when we get our sins forgiven, what do we find? We are accepted. We're accepted. You know, one thing about God, God is a loving God. And he loves us in spite of us. Praise the Lord. He loves us even when we sin. You know, being a child of God, you're accepted. Now, I'm not saying that our sin is ignored. But you are accepted by God. We didn't earn salvation. There is nothing. We didn't get good to be saved. After salvation, you want to do good because you don't want to you, don't, you want the Savior uh, to be glorified in your life. You, wanna, you don't want to disappoint your Heavenly Father. And so, uh, so we live that live, uh, different life. Uh, but David uh, did not begin this psalm, this penitential psalm, with categorically listing out all of his sins. Why? Because they had already been forgiven. They had already been forgiven. He was, he was accepted. Uh, and why? Because God is a forgiving God. God is a merciful God. God is a gracious God. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's forgiving. Uh, God, not only is God forgiving, God chooses to forget. He chooses to forget. One of my, one of my favorite illustrations about, uh, about uh, forgiveness uh, was Clara Barton, who was the founder of the, uh, uh, the Red Cross. And uh, Clara Barton, was, uh, she, she was with a friend. And as they were talking, this, this friend of hers reminded her about this great injury that somebody had done to her, uh, this attack and uh, how she was mistreated by somebody. And, uh, and, and as this, this lady was reminding her about what this person had done to her, uh, Clara Barton was looking at her like she didn't remember. And, the, and her friend looked at her and said, don't you remember? And she said, no, I distinctly remember forgetting. I distinctly remember forgetting. You know, if there's going to be restoration, we've got to learn how to forget. Have you ever been wronged and time has passed and it's gone, done, but you can remember it and you think about it and pretty soon your blood's boiling all over again and you're angry and upset? What happens? We start reliving that. You know, we have a God in heaven when we sin against him, he distinctly remembers forgetting 
He says, your sin will I remember no more. Uh, and so Psalm 1-1, it pronounces uh, blessings on the obedient. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, and, and we see that the blessings that come from obedience. Uh, we see in Psalm 32, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose transgression is forgiven. And that transgression is the crossing of the line. It's the crossing of that boundary. And sometimes we cross the relationship lines uh, in life. Uh, we cross them uh, with people that we know and those relationships uh, with people we cross. Uh, sometimes we cross those, those boundaries, those lines with God. But God is always willing to forget, to forgive. So, the blessings of acceptance. If you're saved this morning, you are accepted, the Bible says, in the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. Why? Because your sin debt has been paid for. You're no longer condemned. You're a child of God. And our children may do wrong, and our children uh, might do something that would disappoint us, but there are, they're always our kids. And heavenly speaking, God is our heavenly Father, and he does not disown his children. So we see, first of all, uh, the blessing of acceptance. I want you to see, second of all, the folly of impenitence. The unwillingness to repent. The unwillingness to deal with our sin. There was almost a year that has transpired between David's sin and the prophet Nathaniel coming, Nathan coming, putting his finger in the king's face and saying, thou art the man. There is nobody more miserable than somebody that is knowingly outside God's will. When you sin against God and you don't get it right, there is a barrier that is there, that joy is taken away. And we see that here in Psalm 32, verse number three, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Uh, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Uh, he was unrepentant before, he, when he was unrepentant, and he was remorseless. He was, not, he was not repentant. His heart had not recognized the condition of of his sin. He was unapologetic to God. He was callous towards the holiness of God. And let me tell you something. When we sin, our sin isn't just against a person. Our sin is against a holy God. Holy God. You know, it doesn't matter what the world accepts. The world accepts people shacking up. God doesn't accept that. That, there should have been an amen right there. God, God, God does, not, does not accept an immoral lifestyle. God does not accept an unholy life. He said, be ye holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. Now, we will fall short, but we should be living to live a life that is pure 
not a life that is impure. And here when we look at the unrepentant, they're callous about sin. Sin doesn't bother them. You know, the TV, the internet has desensitized so many people about sin. We don't even think about it being wrong. The drinking, the immorality, the, the, the lifestyle, the ungodly lifestyle of the straight and the homosexual. All of it is it's, it's sinful. And we have become so used to it, it doesn't even offend our spirit. It should offend us. I'll promise you it offends God. Now, you can still love people and hate sin. And here we see the, uh, the folly, though, of impenitence here, uh, the, the callousness. Uh, we can live in a way, uh, live in a, a lifestyle that is sinful, uh, but the hand of God will be heavy upon us, we see in Psalm 32. Uh, and we can live uh, that, but we experience the dryness, the bones waxed old. You know, when somebody gets older, their bones are brittle. Why they've lost, they're losing that health that is there in those bones. And, and so uh, they, they, uh, uh, they waxed old, the roaring, the groanings in the soul. Not even words, just that groaning, that anxiety, that unsettledness. When God backs out, because of our sin, it leaves us in a condition that is not good. The emptiness, uh, the lifelessness, the moisture was turned to drought. Uh, the, the life was sucked out. And David realized that that is where he was at. Uh, there was a folly in that time of impenitence. And let me tell you, if you're not right with God, there's things in your life that are not right. You need to deal with them. Don't ignore them. You don't want the hand of God to be heavy upon you. He chasteneth every son whom he receiveth. God is going to chasten those uh, that are his children that are not doing right. So here in this process of restoration, uh, we see the, uh, the blessing of acceptance. We see the folly of impenitence. Thirdly, we see the way of deliverance. The way of deliverance, Psalm 32, 5. He said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For there shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. Thou art my high 
hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. So we see that, that way of deliverance, that restoration, getting things right. Uh, what do we see? First of all, we see that that restoration, it was available. We don't have to stay in the condition of emptiness. Christian, if your Christian life is empty right now, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to be there. It doesn't have to be that way. If David was going to get his sins forgiven, he'll forgive your sins. I mean, he conspired to have somebody murdered. Committed adultery, conspired to have her husband killed. Uh, this, this was a terrible sin. Yet God still allowed him to be restored. What a blessing. Restoration is available. Second Samuel 12, 13, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Wow. Wow. I mean, as soon as David said, I have sinned against the Lord, God saw his heart. God saw that repentance. Now, let me tell you something. Repentance and just acknowledging sin are different. There's a difference between I'm caught and I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, how many times do we tell our kids, tell them you're sorry, sorry. Say you're sorry like you mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, there was no repentance there. It was just words. And let me tell you, just because we say, well, Lord, I said I'm sorry. People, people have told me before, well, you know, we're all sinners. That is not Repentance. That's not repentance. You know, when we look in the scriptures and we look at David, David, his heart, he was a man after God's own heart, and God just, he saved all of this uh, dialogue for us to see what repentance truly looks like. Why? Because David's sin was forgiven. Our sin can be forgiven. That restoration can be, it's available. But we have to uh, recognize that there was that way of deliverance. We've got to get it right. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess is the word Greek word homologeo, and it means to say the same thing as. Uh, it's talking about you look at your sin the way God looked at your sin. And when we say about our sin what God says about our sin, then God is saying that is when that sin will be forgiven. It's not just, sorry. No. That sin was a sin against the holy God. We broke his commandments. We violated his trust. We tarnished his name. You know, my name is... is I care about my name. 
I care about the name that I've been given. I care about how that name is going to be carried on. It was big to me to receive it. And it was big when with our kids to make sure that they would treat it right as well. With our with being a Christian, we are to make sure that we are not tarnishing God's name. The name of Christ. So here we see how David he offers no excuses. He just took full responsibility. Well, it's his fault. Well, it's her fault. No, it's my fault. When I sin, it's my fault. Can't blame the devil when I sin. God gave me a free will. When I sin, I, I choose to sin. And that's, and that's what we see here, that, uh, that uh, willingness, uh, that ability uh, to have that restoration, that deliverance that's there. Psalm 51 shows us uh, the way a soul repents. Uh, Psalm 69, 14, deliver me uh, out, out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of those deep waters. Isaiah 55, 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. Uh, and, and we as believers, uh, our sin isn't based on whether we think it's sinful or not. It's based on what God says. His standard of righteous, his standard of right, his standard of holiness. So we see here the blessings of acceptance. We see uh, the, the folly of impenitence, uh, of not getting it right, uh, and the folly that is there, the way of deliverance. But I want you to see, lastly, the joy of obedience. The joy of obedience. There is just joy in being in God's will. There's joy in being in God's will. There's, there's nothing like laying your pillow down on your head, or your head on your pillow. Well, sometimes I put my pillow over my head too when somebody else is snoring. No. <laughs> it's just the opposite way. Uh, she gets up and leaves the room. Uh, and so, uh, but with that, uh, we, we lay our head on our pillow at night. There's nothing between you and your Savior. Fulfillment, peace, absolutely. You know, this thing about restoration is available for all of us. If, it's, if something's just not quite right not in your soul, something's just not quite where it needs to be, let's look into our life. Maybe, maybe it's not sin. Maybe it's not that we have committed some terrible sin, but we're not walking with him. We're not spending time with him. I get, I get busy. And I'll get busy. And just the other day, I said, well, I, I got to go get something done. She says, no. She said, you have somebody else in your life too. Reset. Whoops. Got to back up. I got to make sure that that doesn't get out of line. Now, 
She's good at keeping me in line. But the reality is, when our soul, we can get so busy in life that we lose sight on the relationship that God allows us to have. Let's work on that. Let's not let life happen and steal our joy. I want to enjoy. David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Salvation brings joy. I've told you my testimony on the first and third Sunday of every month. You say, well, pastor, you're not going to tell it again? Absolutely. You know why? I've got joy in my salvation. Brother Frankel was talking about uh, the Apostle Paul this morning in Sunday school. Uh, And you, you see what God does in a life, how can you not rejoice in that? And if you're saved this morning, the Lord has forgiven you of every sin. And he has changed your eternal destiny from going to hell to going to heaven. Man, that should just put a smile on your face. Are you saved this morning? If you're saved this morning, you should rejoice in that. April 23rd, 1980, I didn't forget. April 23rd, 1983, as a 14-year-old punk, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Mom and Dad, the previous week, they, they decided they were going to go to church. The Holy Spirit had worked on Mom's heart. Uh, and and she, she ended up, uh, years ago, she went, uh, opened up the phone book, you know, that big yellow book that's uh, about that big and about that thick. She opened that thing up, uh, went to church, and it was an Assembly of God church. And I was about uh, uh, fourth grade at that point. And uh, so we went to an Assembly of God church, and they got in there, and they started speaking in tongues and everything going on. And uh, my mom and dad were sitting behind us, and they were flicking us in the back of the head because us boys, uh, we were laughing and making, we were like, what is going on? Uh, and so uh, anyway, we walked out of there. It's like, man, if that's what church is, we don't want anything to do with it. Fast forward, eight, 1983, and the Holy Spirit was working on my mom's heart. She didn't listen very good the first time. Uh, so second time, she listened, and she went back to the phone book, went to church, got to the A's, and said, no, we didn't do very good in the A's. Let's go to the B's. Uh, and she picked Bethel Baptist Church. And uh, Pop said, okay, we're going to go to church on Sunday. And I said, you can go if you want. I'm not going. We had a knockdown drag out, and I lost. And my brother had already moved out of the house, and so he got out of it. Uh, and so we went to church. We got there about five minutes late. Pop said, I'm not walking into church late. We'll come back next week. And I said, sweet. And we got, we got home. I picked up the phone, called my brother and said, hey, I'm going to spend next weekend with you. And uh, so that next Saturday, I went over, spent the weekend with my brother, came home Sunday morning. And my mom, my dad, and my, my little sister, uh, they, were, they were still at church. And I'm sitting there watching TV and about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, Two o'clock? Yeah, let's go for two o'clock. Uh, about two, uh, one o'clock, girls around, and they walk in the door, their hair's all wet. I had no idea what happened, but they got saved and baptized that Sunday morning. About six o'clock, rolls around. Pop said, get ready. I said, for what? 
He said, we're going to church. I said, you already went to church. He said, we're going again. I said, you can go if you want to. I'm not going. We had a knockdown drag out, and I lost. No, I won. Is that Sunday night, sitting right about where Brother Harrison's sitting? I have no idea what that preacher preached. I was mad. I was at church, not because I wanted to. I look at the teenagers that are over here this morning, uh, and they're here because they want to be here. Man, I was there. I was mad. I didn't listen to anything that was being preached or taught. But during the invitation, something happened. We're all standing. They were probably singing Just As I Am or I Surrender All, one of the, those two songs. And an Air Force guy walked up, grabbed me by the elbow. He said, you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. No. Would you like to know? And I did. And he walked me down the aisle and opened up the scriptures. And I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. Praise the Lord. You know what? When, when I'm right with the Lord, there's joy. There's peace. There's fulfillment. When I stray, that relationship gets dry. Gets strained. Spiritually speaking, we have to have restoration in our walk with him. Christian, how's that relationship doing? Are we, are we walking with him? Do we have that closeness? Is there that fulfillment? See, well, pastor, there used to be that fulfillment. Then let's get it back. Let's get it back. Let's get that joy. David, it was sin that separated him between him and God. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have fit, hid his face from you that he will not hear. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it is just busyness of life. Well, let's restore that relationship. It's available. Spiritual restoration. You know what we find when there's that spiritual restoration? We also learn how to keep other relationships in better condition as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. What I talked about, about being saved, that, that hasn't rang true in your life. It, it just hasn't made sense. If you're not saved today, let me encourage you. Trust him today. Put your faith in Christ for salvation. Father, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are a God who is gracious and merciful and forgiving. Uh, thank you for allowing us as your children uh, to come back. We, we are accepted. Uh, we are your children. Uh, and I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, to keep that relationship close. But for some, Lord, I pray that they would get that relationship started. It begins with them being born again. And so if there's one here today that does not know you, may today be the day that they put their faith in you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I am saved. I know the Lord is my personal Savior. Is a testimony to the Lord. Just slip your hand up. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here just like I was as a teenage boy. You say, Pastor, I don't know. I don't have that assurance. I don't know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven concerned about it 
pray for me. I won't come back to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Pastor, pray for me. I, I don't have that assurance of my salvation. I want to be a child of God, but I'm not. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you this morning. Who's, who's like that today? You don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. You don't have that confidence uh, that your, your sins have been forgiven. All right, I see your hand. Who else? Who else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Pray for me. Right. Father, you see the hands uh, that were raised, and uh, Lord, you know the condition of each heart. And so for the one that uh, raised their hand, unsure of their eternal destiny, I pray that you give them grace and help, and uh, Lord, help them to get that established today. Uh, for those uh, that are here this morning that are your children, uh, if we've wandered, I pray, God, uh, that you just draw us back to yourself. You know uh, the condition of our soul, and I pray that we would give that, our soul the care that is needed uh, for that restoration process to begin. So work in hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Uh, let's stand together as the instruments play. Lord.